Hello fun people, I'm Isaac Carlson, your guide through the wonderful world of Disney, and today we're going through all of the Easter eggs, Pixar references, and magical moments I found in the first episode of Monsters at Work. I might feel a little sick today, but I've been waiting for this show long enough, so I am ready to talk about it. Now, this Disney Plus series begins in a similar way to the original movie, with a monster entering a scare simulator. In Monsters at Work though, the main protagonist, Tyler Tuskman, actually succeeds in his scaring efforts and does so in front of Professor Knight. This is the same instructor who taught Mike and Sully's Scaring 101 class during their first semester at Monsters University. While the human mannequin was a bit more up to date like the one in Monsters Inc., the rest of the lecture hall and the simulator room were identical to the one Monsters in Mike and Sully's day had to be tested in down to the pink walls and the rudimentary blinking energy canister. Not even James P. Sullivan himself ever scored this high. Now at first I was confused at this line because Sully was removed from the scaring program before he was ever able to use the simulator in his class. And during the scare games, Johnny Worthington was able to outscare Sully, so the record Professor Knight is referring to must have come from after Sully joined Monsters, Inc. On the letter Tyler received from Monsters, Inc., it's signed by Henry J. Waternoose III, who is the CEO of Monsters, Inc., who plotted with Randall Boggs to abduct children and harvest screams from them in hopes of saving the company before they reached bankruptcy. Since Monsters at Work takes place the day after Waternoose was arrested, it's very possible hiring Tyler was one of his last executive decisions before he was imprisoned. After we hear an acapella version of Monster Inc.'s theme song, we are then shown that this series was developed by Bob's Ganaway, who I found out worked on shows like Lilo and Stitch the Series, The House of Mouse, and Jake and the Neverland Pirates. Back in Monsters, Inc., the monsters are frightened by the reality that laughs were going to be the new focus of the company, and their futures were all uncertain since Sully realized that laughter could be a much more powerful source of energy. In the lobby, we can see many monsters we've met before. There's the orange six-armed monster named Josh Rivera, the monster who was pushed away by the rock and roll six-year-old named Pete Ward, Nick Schmidt is the tall pink monster, and the short little fleshy monster is Pete's assistant. Surrounding Mike's girlfriend, Celia May, there are a variety of monsters looking for answers. There's a green monster who looks like the big red monster from Jaws Theta Chi who tried to recruit Sully to his fraternity in his first semester. There's also a yellow monster with bulging eyes who looks like Charlie Proctor, the monster who called 2319. The pink, two-tentacled monster is a scare assistant named Marge. And finally, the yellow, pink-striped and clawed monster is actually a legendary scare named Ninoman and Smitty are then seen, and these are the dopey janitors who made Sully lose his focus and are currently struggling to believe the reality that humans can't hurt them. Well, what if they touch you? Well, I assume you still burst into flames and die of barfing. Throughout the monster world, they have always thought that humans were the most deadly creatures in the universe, so it's interesting to see that even though Sully has learned the truth that they are mostly harmless, many monsters will likely not accept this as true for a long time. It also becomes clear here that the Monstropolis Horn has a big section dedicated to Home Creepo, which is of course a reference to Home Depot. While the monsters struggle to deal with the changing times, Mike is just ecstatic that there's no angry mob after them, which was a big concern of his after realizing he might have been one of the causes for the energy crisis getting worse. To mention the angry mob that'll come after us when there's no more power, but hey, at least we had some laughs, right? 
Through his conversation with Celia, she also makes a reference to the events of the first film. We can go back to Harryhausen's? No, me and Sully have been banned for life. Harryhausen's was the sushi restaurant Mike tried to bring Celia to on their anniversary before the night became pure chaos by Boo making a scene in the monster world. When Mike and Sully are called into Waternoose's old office, they are told by Ross, the child detection agency leader, that the board of directors of Monsters, Inc. chose them to become the new leadership of the company, which I thought was a cool inclusion. Sully wasn't hoping to become CEO. The position was thrusted upon him now that he had proven he had the dedication, ingenuity, and resolve to keep the company going. And of course, Mike was definitely the greatest trainer of all time, so he took over the scary to comedic transition that was necessary to evolve Monsters, Inc. The whole place was being revamped, which even meant the famous Monsters, Inc. words, we scare because we care, had to be torn down, even though so many monsters were familiar with the line due to all of the commercials they had. When Tyler arrived, on his first day, he actually bumps into George Sanderson, who had been shaved and mutilated by the CDA after he got a child sock on himself. But Tyler eventually gets help from the janitor, Chalubi, who we know has a bit of a difficulty creating less of a mess than he makes, who shows him how to get to Miss Flint. In Monsters, Inc., Miss Flint was the manager of the simulation systems, and we continue to see her role evolve as she transitions from approving scarers to approving jokesters before they interact with real humans. In the exact same simulator that Mr. Waternoose confessed his crimes within, Ted Polly, one of Monster Inc.'s top scarers, who previously worked on Sully's scare floor, was trying to become a jokester. I've had his scare card since I was a kid. Now, scare cards were introduced in Monsters University as collectible cards for all of the top scarers that both Mike and Sully loved while they were growing up. And that's one thing I really want to highlight as something I love about this series so far. The creators have done a great job of not just including elements from Monsters Monsters University or Monsters Inc. Neither one is prioritized over the other. I feel like Monsters at Work is a true continuation of both stories that builds upon everything that each film created. After Tyler was sent to a new employee orientation that featured a totally out of date company video, he was assigned to the Monsters Inc. facilities team, or MIFT, after revealing that his parents owned a hardware store. On his way to MIFT's office space, Tyler comes into contact with Val, who he had actually met briefly at Monsters University. You see, she was an MU dropout who spent the last few years exploring her interests until she eventually started working at Monsters, Inc. She points out the devastating and wild truth that even though Tyler was fully college educated and had massive amounts of debt compared to her, they were both working the same position now, which definitely got under Tyler's skin for good reason. All of Tyler's plans had kind of been thrown out. His hard work in school seemed pointless now, and there was no clear way to get to a higher position. As Val drove the two of them to Miss office, they entered the maintenance corridors, which was where Randall and Waternoose hid their scream extractor, only their base was accessed by a hidden door, and Miffed just used an elevator. In the office, Tyler met Fritz, a one-eyed uncle-like boss who longed for Miffed to feel like a little family, which reminded me a lot of Michael Scott from The Office. But that wasn't the only office connection I saw. In Duncan, I saw a lot of Dwight Schrute, since he was a crazed, impulsive, power-hungry little monster. And Val is voiced by Mindy Kaling, who actually played Kelly Kapoor and wrote on The Office. Monsters at Work is clearly developing into its own little office comedy. Once Tyler was introduced to the misunderstood banana bread and 
the mechanic Cutter, who references the death of other monsters who joined their crew, Tyler is driven to pull a move very similar to the one a young Mike Wazowski attempted when he was on a field trip to Monsters, Inc. as a child. Tyler snuck onto the laugh floor to attempt to prove himself. While he made his way towards the doors, we see Mike speaking to a monster named Jeff Fungus, who was Randall's former assistant. Hey, Fungus. Oh, uh, uh, thanks for keeping me on, Mr. Wazowski. <laughs> no problem. But you missed out on a ride in my car. The car Mike is referring to is his beloved car that Sully didn't let him drive during the energy crisis and is likely the one he regretted giving up when he got a new car in the short Mike's new car. When Tyler gets the chance to try to make a child laugh, that boy is holding a Winnie the Pooh plush, which is most likely a reference to the supervising director of Monsters at Work, Steve Anderson. You see, Steve previously not only directed Meet the Robinsons, but he also directed the 2011 Winnie the Pooh movie. But in the little boy's room, there's actually an even more obscure Disney reference on his dresser. You see, there's a signed picture addressed to Miguel from Pedro on a picture of an animated plane. Pedro was actually a male plane featured in the Walt Disney feature film, Saludos Amigos. Amongst the chaos of the young boy escaping, which seemed to bring a similar amount of chaos to Boo breaking loose into the monster world, we get to see Thaddeus Bile, the scaring trainee whose old scaring mishaps led him to become one of Monster Inc.'s first jokesters. When Miguel is being chased on the laugh floor, we also get to see that he has a little Mickey Mouse logo on his shirt, truly cementing the idea that this little guy must be a big fan of Disney. After that mix up was over, the door shredder was taken out to get rid of Miguel's door, which the Monsters Inc. team was becoming all too familiar with after many children had become immune to being scared. Through Mike and Sully's conversation with Tyler, Mike references how he remembers that he would have done anything to get on this floor, alluding to his strong will to become a scarer growing up and his dedication as a student at Monsters University. And they bring up their humble origins at Monsters Inc. Mike and I. We worked our way up from the mailroom. No more scaring. Now it's uh, laughter you're after. Bingo! Our new slogan! Now that slogan for Monsters, Inc., it's laughter we're after, is depicted on Tokyo Disneyland's recreation of Monsters, Inc., which is a show building for the attraction Ride and Go Seek. With a restored sense of hope and his own helmet and ID badge from Roz's sister Rose, Tyler steps back onto the laugh floor to clean up his mess with Mift. Now Tyler understood that he was ready to make the changes necessary to evolve in this new world, which was why Tyler scratched out Scarer and wrote Jokester on his acceptance letter. Also, at the end of the credits, we hear Ross command us to keep watching in a similar way to how she told Mike that she was always watching over him. I'm watching you, Wazowski. Always keep watching. But fun people, what did you think about the first episode of Monsters at Work? Let me know in the comments or over on my Discord, which you can gain access to by joining our community over on Patreon. If you're new here, consider subscribing, and of course, have a magical day.